Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're being disrespected, treated like a doormat, or someone is just blatantly crossing a boundary and you freeze, you go quiet, you don't say anything. And then hours later, you beat yourself up for not standing up for yourself. You replay the scenario in your head over and over and over, and now you actually have the perfect comeback. You know what you should have said or done, and now you're just kicking yourself. Sound familiar? And the worst part is, you do the same thing again and again. Well, that can be an average Wednesday for many of us. You see, having the confidence, the strength, and the courage to stick up for yourself when you feel like you've been mistreated is not only freaking difficult, it's a skill. A skill today's guest, the badass former Secret Service agent who is part of the protective detail for President Obama, George W. Bush, and President Clinton, is going to teach us. A former federal agent tasked with arresting, interviewing, polygraphing and protecting people and working complex undercover operations and criminal investigations, developing courage, confidence and resilience is her freaking superpower. So guys, please welcome the author of Becoming Bulletproof, the real life superhero, my homie, Evie Pumporas. Welcome to the show, girl. Thank you for that <laughs> intro. When we did our last interview, it's over a million views. People wanted to hear more of you. So thank you for coming back to the show. And where I want to start is with a quote that you said, my default response is to tell people to go fuck themselves. I thought you are absolutely the perfect person to help us talk about what we do when we feel like in moments we're being disrespected. And so there's a very clear story that I'm obsessed with that you have told about you and some Chinese delegates. So I want you to start with telling the story and then let's break down how on earth the girl that says she just wants to tell people to go fuck themselves is able to handle that situation with dignity. So I know what story you're referring to. So in the US Secret Service, uh, a lot of people don't realize that you also protect foreign heads of state we deal with foreign countries. So on one occasion, I was in Mexico and I was the agent in charge of, it was the G20 summit. And so all these heads of states are there to include the president at the time and the uh, head of China. And so they were having a, what they call a closed door meeting, meaning sometimes they have these private meetings where it's the, the, the presidents and then maybe just like a handful of their uh, head cabinet members. So they're in there, their clothes are secure. I was a person in charge of the venue and the site. And so somebody from his delegation wanted to go in. Now, I, you know, I don't authorize who goes in or out. Like I just, I was the muscle, I guess you could say. <laughs> I mean, I was a muscle. And so he tried to get in. It was this, and he was huge. He was a really huge guy. And I was like, you know, sir, you can't come in. He was not happy about it. I got the State Department over my counterpart and I said, look, you're the one who has the names of everyone. Can we just double check to make sure that we didn't leave this, this man off the list? And um, she, we looked at him and we're like, no, sir, you can't come in. And he was pissed. You know, I think we like definitely insulted him. We didn't, he didn't, we didn't know who he was. Like, and when you're in that type of position, like everybody is somebody, mm-hmm. everybody is somebody. Everybody. And so if everybody's somebody, if everybody's important, then nobody's important. So he kind of tried to sneak in. I wouldn't let him. And then he got very angry with me and he 
put hands on me. And uh, he grabbed me by my suit and like shoved me. And when he shoved me back, the doors to where the, pre the presidents were meeting were behind. So he literally shoves me through and we, I bang through the doors. And then I had this moment because I wasn't expecting it. You know, you can expect to fight with certain people when I'd go out for an arrest or somebody wasn't complying. I would expect that type of behavior, but I didn't expect it from like this high level delegate who I still don't know who he is. And, you know, I had this voice in my head and this is where I went from Secret Service to like back to Queens. I'm like, I'm the fuck he didn't. I'm like, this guy just put hands on me. I'm like, oh, fuck no. I grabbed, you know, I grabbed him by a suit collar and I just shoved him back into all the Chinese delegates that were there. And um, they, so he turned out to be a general. I had no idea. And so they, they all jumped on top of me. And I remember like one delegate pulled me off. Another delegate like put me in a chokehold. Somebody slammed me up against the wall and I've got all these foreign delegates on me. And I'm like, fuck you, game on. <laughs> all in front of the president of the United he, States. Now he, so what happened is we, we backed into his office. The doors opened where they were meeting. And then we went back in the hallway. Oh, okay. We're brawling. And then thankfully, like somebody alerted some of my colleagues who were like further down. And then, you know, that's when the interpreter came over and he said, shame on you. You touched one of our generals. And I'm like, Pfft. I like, you tell your general that picking fights with ladies isn't very, you know, general like. So, but, you know, I had to control that rage. I'm in the middle of a G20 summit and you just got to reel it in. But at the same time, you have to defend yourself. Like, I am not about violence. Like, you know, violence is like such an obvious way to fight. And quite frankly, it's a very insecure way to fight. Mm -hmm people who are overly aggressive and violent because you're so afraid and you feel like you sh it's like overcompensation. And I feel like if I'm going to waste my energy on you, it better be worth it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. This is what I really want to talk about. The amount of people, obviously your case is super extreme, but you're a freaking expert. But your everyday person like myself and the people listening, it's you get disrespected often. There are certain things where people cross a boundary, cross a line. Um, and it's very difficult in that moment to stay cool, to um, know how to handle it. And then even if you get yourself super angry, to be able to calm down back to neutral. So what are the elements that you feel like are important for people to build? Because like I said at the beginning, I really do believe it's a skill. And it's a skill to know how to handle and navigate different situations. So when someone physically crosses your boundary, um, and let's say you don't have the physical skills to actually fight them off. What do you suggest people do? Okay, so this is heavy. This is like so many layers. So let me say one thing first. First, before we, we, we start assessing another person, it's me first. I have to have self-control. If I don't have self-control over myself, if I, don't, if I cannot master myself, forget about the outside world. So it always has to begin with you. So knowing that I am hot-headed and knowing that my first inclination is to tell people to go fuck themselves, which is true. I know that I have work to do. So I'm very aware of that and I'm very aware that that is not the right thing to do. So I don't say this like, yeah, bravado. I say this like, yeah, this is a, a, a trait of mine that I've had to work very, very hard to kind of curtail and rein in. God, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but there's something super powerful here. What made you go from you being that to acknowledging you're that and then acknowledging it doesn't serve you. Because I was fighting with everybody. And you just said, something must be wrong here? Like, yes, what? I was wrong. If I'm fighting with this person and that person, and even my dad, you know, we, I used to fight with my dad all the time because I didn't agree with the way he thinks. I love my dad, just put that out there. But 
we would fight all the time. And then one day I'm like, why am I fighting with all these people? Why am I trying to convince everybody of what I think? I'm like, and I, I really started to have like this thoughtfulness because if you're fighting with everybody, if, every, if you're having problems at work, you're having problems at home, you're having problems with friends, if you're having problems with everybody, there's one common denom denominator and it's, it's me and I would see that. And so I was like, I got a real me and plus like, it's exhausting. And I have no time. I realize I'm wasting energy fighting with people. And I'm not saying that some people don't deserve to be put in their place. But I guess I look at it like, are you worth my time? Most people aren't. So you have to choose that. So going back to what you ask first, it's self-mastery. You got you to have yourself locked down. You got to have emotional intelligence over self. It's a Greek saying, know thyself. If you don't know thyself. Nothing else, nothing else I can teach you matters. Now, if you know and understand yourself, then at that point, betrayal, I think there's different levels, Lisa, hmm. of betrayal, of disrespect. Like if it's some Yahoo on the street who's giving me a hard time, like road rage or whatever, I, I don't care. I'm busy. I got to go somewhere. So like I would, I would not entertain that stuff. So I guess I think of it like, are you worth me responding to? Do I have to respond to you? But I also do think like you have to be super careful because if you let some, a lot of things go, then you will have people who will test you. Yes. And truth be told, like I, I can see people and I've experienced it myself. Like I feel like every five years I have like a betrayer like show up. That's every, like every couple of years I'm due one person to like really cross that line because I really do avoid the, you know, I avoid the drama because I focus on my work. I focus on my family and I, and I avoid putting my energy into negative things and people. But I think you will have people test the waters with you. you. I love the quote, you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. So it's literally the more you let things go, the more they're like, oh, I can do this and they're not going to retaliate. So where, so how, t tell me every version then of levels of disrespect and how you actually handle each stage. Yeah. So you know what? Let me share this. This is what happens to us. There's, there's some science, there's some research they've done in the, the chemistry of the brain. And, and it comes to trust. And this is where we feel usually disrespected. Like, and this is on a higher level. This is where it hits us deeper. So when you trust, there's two types of trust. There's conditional trust and unconditional trust. Now, conditional trust is I'm going to do a business deal. I'm going to buy a car from a salesman. So when you deal with conditional trust, you access a, a higher level of your, your brain. And when you access this complicated place of your brain, you are trusting conditionally, which, which means you're working very hard. You understand this person will manipulate you. You understand that you can only trust them conditionally. And you do expect some type of maybe betrayal or lies or something to happen. But you work very, very hard when you're in that space. So when that person betrays you like that you bought a car and the car salesman you know screws you over you're like you know what i didn't like that guy mm. i knew he was going to do that i kind of felt it you're, you're upset but it's not like this deep thing that's conditional trust that's a lot of work though now unconditional trust the, the science shows that accesses a different part of our brain a more primitive part of our brain mm. and this is where we like to live because it's less work so this is like the trust you have with your partner. This is the trust you have with a family member or a close friend, which means I'm not working so hard because I'm giving you all this unconditional trust. But then what happens is 
when they betray you because you don't expect to get betrayed like you did with the car salesman or in a business negotiation. So when you get this kind of betrayal, this is when it crushes you. And this is where you have such a hard time getting over it. This is where you see people going through a divorce or a painful friendship or where they have that deep you know, betrayal and they're like, they can't overcome it. And I think it helps for you to understand why that is because of it truly there's science behind it. It's like understanding, am I trusting this person conditionally or unconditionally? So although we like to trust people unconditionally, and I have been there, I've trusted unconditionally and I have been betrayed. It's going to happen to all of us. I think though we set triggers or red flags for us to know it, to know when it's going to happen. If you're just open to everybody all the time, you're going to, you're just going to be inviting it in all the time. So you do have to create those barriers for yourself, but you also have to do your self-assessment of people. Like, who am I going to let into my inner circle? You are in my inner circle. You know, like I, I, I select the people in my inner circle. And I think like, you know what? You should have people audition in a <laughs> sense, right? You should audition to be in my life. And that's where your self-worth comes in. Wow, that was so articulate and amazing. And so then my next question is then, when we let the people in, at least for me, I find it even more difficult when they disrespect me or if they've crossed the boundary. I find it way more difficult to handle in those situations. And I think that I allow my, like you were saying, um, the unconditional, like the my guard is way less down. So I let them get away, quote unquote, with more things. So you, you've repeated multiple times emotional intelligence. So I'd love to kind of break that down even more and say, and, and um, put the two together on how you build the emotional intelligence and then how you use that in these situations, whether it's a work colleague or it's someone very close to you. Yeah, so when we talk about a work colleague or anything like that or issues like that, I mean, I've experienced those. I remember once I had a work colleague, this is in my previous career when I was in the service, um, reprimand me and he was an equal to me uh, mm -hmm. about a case about something that he thought I was supposed to do that I wasn't supposed to do. And he had just kind of like gotten sort of an elevated position and I think he wanted to put on a bit of a show mm -hmm. and he did this in front of people. And it's like everything in me to not like rip him to shreds. So I knew he was wrong. I went and got the case file or whatever I needed. And I went back downstairs and I, I stepped away because I really like nothing, nothing good was going to come out of my mouth. But I also understand that it was work. And I also understood that there was people around me. And I was like, you're not going to own my response to you. I'm going to own it. That's why I do it for me, not for you. So I got the case. I grabbed him and I'm like, hey, we'll call him Jay. I'm like, hey, Jay. I'm like, come here. I'm like, I want to speak to you. And I remember I pulled him into the stairwell and to speak to him in private because I learned through my interviewing techniques that when you want to let somebody know what you really think of them or when you want to reprimand somebody or discipline someone in some way, you should do it in private. Because I knew if I ripped him in front of everybody, he just would have ripped me back mm -hmm. and we would have gotten nowhere because he's, he's naturally going to get defensive because I embarrassed him. Shame is a big thing. So I pulled him to the side of the stairwell. I said, here you go. This is what you're saying you need. This is what was done. And I'm like, this is the thing. I gave you the courtesy of pulling you into the stairwell to speak to you in private. You've known me how many years? I've never spoken to you like that again. Today was the first and last time you're going to speak to me like that again. 
I was like, do you understand? And I'm giving you more respect than you deserve because I'm addressing you here in private. Have I ever spoken to you this way? And he's like, no. And I'm like, don't ever do that again. Here you go. Next time, come speak to me with decency and respect. But I was also able to do that and he was also able to absorb it again because I did it in private. Now, I'm not saying they're all going to go smoothly like that for everybody, but you choose when and how you respond. And so I want, for me, it's like I own what I'm going to do. I can't own what you do, but I can own what I do. But when I feel that rage, because I feel it all the time, I really, when I can, I step away. Now that to me, like, honestly, that's like low vibration. Like stuff like that, when you deal with people like that, that always think low vibration, low vibration. Like this person, this is silly. Like, and most of the times it is. And most of the time you're dealing with people's egos. Now, when we're elevating to like people, I have to be honest, my inner circle is small. And I've just learned when I was younger, I had friends everywhere. And now this is my friend and that's my friend. And I realized over years, I'm like, they're not all friends. And what matters is the quality of the people you keep to you. And I, I'm very thoughtful, but there are certain standards that I create for myself. So it kind of goes back to what you said about treatment. And I say, you get what you tolerate. Mm -hmm. So if I know someone's lying to me, I'll be thoughtful as far as why they're lying to me, because sometimes people will lie out of fear. They'll lie because they're ashamed. And I will work to see if that person will be truthful with mm -hmm. me or if they hold back for a reason. But when somebody lies and they really hurt me, betray me, at least for me, Lisa, I'll tell you this, when I'm done, when I make that conscious choice to be done with someone, I'm done with them. You know, when I feel that kind of betrayal. And again, I, I feel like every five years, but usually those betrayals, those deep ones come from someone close to you. It's not going to be usually an acquaintance. It's going to be a family member. It's going to be a, a, a relationship. It's going to be all those different things. But you also have to have enough common sense to know when to walk away, when to know when to be done. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it. 
especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. How do you know that? Because so many people struggle with that, of knowing when to be done and walking away. If somebody is lying to you, you walk away. I remember I had uh, someone reach out to me and this, is go- this goes with her partner and she suspected her partner of being unfaithful. Mm. She was asking me for help, for advice. I think she actually wanted to polygraph her partner. And I'm like, <laughs> so when I heard that, I'm like, you wanna polygraph your partner? And she was like, yes. I was like, I think you need to re- reassess your relationship. The minute yelled words, I, I knew, I'm like, this, she's done. This relationship's done. Dude, I say that about checking people's phones. The second you pick up your partner's phone to check it, there's a problem with your relationship. You know, I think it's okay to check your partner's phone. Oh, let's have this debate. Absolutely. Do you? Yes. My husband's on my phone all the time. I'm like, enjoy yourself. So you get, so you give each other permission and you like just check it whenever he you like. He has my passwords. He has everything. Right. Well, I guess because, so Tom has all my passwords, but I never, if I ever felt the inclination to check it, to me, it means that there's something wrong in my relationship where I don't trust him, that I feel like I need um, proof. I don't look at it as proof. I look at it as like, well, maybe you do need the proof to feel okay. Because for whatever reason, you're feeling something. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like, and this is where I kind of go back into my investigator thing. I think there's a problem. I want proof. Here, I'm not texting anyone. I'm done. Now we can go on with our lives. Other than that, I hold it in. It builds up. And I'm going to tell you something, Lisa. And I'm not saying this applies to you. I had somebody else school me once no, or try to school me on like, you shouldn't look through your partner's phone. It's shameful. It's this. And it was kind of unsolicited. It was in the discussion. And nobody does that. And like this whole self-righteous thing. And the irony was that person, that woman that was schooling me, sending me this, like she sent me this long tired email. Her husband cheats on her. I knew you were going to say that. And I know about it. I know about it. That's the ironic thing. Now, it took everything in me to be like, let me lay some truth on you. Mm. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. I held my tongue, you know, they had a family, they had all these things. But inside me, I'm like, why are you so, you so over the top with trying to impose this on me? It's like, you do what you want. Mm-hmm. But because underneath it all, she's like, so adamant about not looking at a partner's phone because it's like, yeah, because your partner doesn't let you look at it. Why? When all you would have to do is like, here you go, babe, look. And I feel like, I, I want to look through my husband's phone. Like maybe I'm having an off day and maybe I feel funny. It's like, let me, can I see your phone? Yeah, here. Because if, if I don't, it's, I'm doing it for him, for him to find peace. Mm. When I resist, it's my ego. <gasps> you don't, you want to look at my phone? Why? How dare you? Why the fuck not? You're my husband. Here's where, where I always come from with anything, like even the suggestions and advice. It's always like, this is what for me. 
Like for me, I don't ever like to feel jealous. I don't like the feeling of it. And so I say to myself, if I feel jealous, why am I feeling it? Like, is it something that he's doing? If it is, I need to acknowledge it and I need to address it. Is it something that I'm insecure about? If it is, I need to feel it. Like, let's say for instance, because I even use the story of my husband could be walking down the street. Someone could text me a photo of him hugging another woman down the street or like hand in hand or something like that. I'd be like, oh, I'm sure there's an explanation. I would never jump to he's doing something. Now, I also say it completely leaves me open to being hurt. I am so aware of that on so many levels. But it's been so beautiful for me and my husband because anytime he may feel jealous or anytime I feel jealous, we just sit down and talk about why. And then we get to the root problem. Once we've gotten to the root problem, whether it's, let's say, I feel like, like um, I don't feel pretty right now because maybe I've got health gut issues and that really does you know, um, affect how I feel about myself. So it's like, okay, it's a self-esteem issue. Oh, okay, it's because of my health. Like we kind of backtrack it and then the same with him. And it's actually allowed us to, to um, figure out and solve the problems as we go along. There you go. So then where do you have a fine line then about where there's that line? Line with disrespecting someone when it comes to, I had no intention of going here, but because we went down the husband route and the jealousy route. Um, do you think that there's a fine line of a communication between, let's say your partner and somebody else and that comes across disrespectful and then how would you handle that? Because like I'm all about right now, you've been in so many situations where I think people have tried to push you around, disrespect you. And so I'm trying to think of all these different scenarios and let me tell you the amount of people that I think have felt that um, is very high. So do you have ways of handling that? So, and I would be, you probably have dealt with it too, but like there are moments where like I'll have my husband with me and I mean, he's a good looking, I think he's a good looking man. And like, sometimes I'll see, you know, a woman or women be like, oh, hey, or sometimes people like, oh, make sure you bring your husband. I'm like, okay. Um, I won't do anything to that person, but he's so aware of that because he doesn't like it done to him that like, I'll be like, hey babe, like she's a little too, he's like, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. You know, or I'm like, hey, that person's calling you a little too much help on something he's like yeah I know weird so but he and I and that's important like it's it's conveyed openly I don't get mad at him because I'm like it's not his fault someone's like behaving that way now if he engages or does something I'll say hey listen but he's so but we've had so many discussions Mm -hmm. like we're so very super mindful like we have discussions about this and they're not ugly discussions they're very thoughtful because he feels the same way I mean even my previous career I worked with the men all men and so for him you know he's he's like you're around dudes all the time so you have to trust so it starts with the person um but at the same time allowing that person the openness to like go through your phone go through your laptop like if that's what you need to feel okay have it Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be like every day like like i'm like you it's like why do you want to look through my phone well i feel this and this and this if you can articulate articulate to me in a healthy way have at it you know, because there's moments if people need that. You feel insecure and you need your partner to be like, hey, I love you. I, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't agree with it. But you know what? Here you go. But then you can move on. Mm-hmm. But that obsessive stuff, that sneaking into stuff, the sneakiness of it, no. Like, ask me. And I've told my husband, once I think I caught him trying to look, I'm like, hey, ask me. You can have whatever you want. You can look through anything you want. It just hurts me when you do it in this in this roundabout way and he's like i can't help it it's the criminal investigator in me i was like all right 
so I think that those are healthy. It becomes unhealthy when it becomes obsessive. And if you're obsessive about it, well then, hello, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. There's a reason. But people, it, it, there is no one way. Your way works for you. My way works for me. And that's the thing. There's no one way to be. There's no one way to do it. But you have to know thyself mm -hmm. and really know your partner. I love that. All right, I'm going to take a bit of a hard right because I'm desperate to ask you about this. Um, but I've actually got a quote of yours that is um, very powerful. I would like to read. My success is in standing my ground wasn't really about my physical strength. It was about my mental conviction. I had to speak with confidence to make sure those who heard my message heard it clearly the first time. And when I did act, I had to do it so in a way that assured it would not be mistaken for weak or uncertain of my abilities. Yeah. Woo, how do you do that? <laughs> It's the way you carry yourself. I feel like Break it what, down. Does, what does size matter? Like, that's the thing. Like, power and strength, first, it lives in the mind. Right. So if I think myself strong, I am strong. If I think I'm like, you know, even with that, you know, Chinese delegate or if, when I've had altercations with somebody bigger than me or somebody's messed with me, you know, my, and, and I knew maybe they, they could take me. You know, my mind, I'm like, all right, man, you know, you may walk over here, but and you may beat me, but I promise you, you're gonna be limping back. You're gonna have to earn that. And that's kind of like that, that sentiment I've always had. Like, I don't ever put myself underneath. It's like, I'm gonna brawl if I need to brawl. But again, like, I, I'm speaking this way, but it really isn't my go-to behavior. It was though, like, I really didn't wanna fight everybody when I was younger and I wanted to, to express my opinion and force my opinion down other people's throats. And I'm like, why am I doing that? And I realized that we do that one, ego, your ego runs amok, and then two, insecurity. Mm. Especially when you're younger, you're trying to figure yourself out, so you don't know who the hell you are. And be, being grounded in, in yourself. So I, I really think it's like just about pausing and not letting yourself kind of like run wild. But once you do that, because you then say like, and when I did act, I had to do so in a way that assured yeah. it would not be mistaken for weak or uncertain of my ability. All right, so I'll give you an example, paralinguistics. And you know I've talked about this. If I don't want somebody to go into this room, I'm gonna say, you can't go into this room. Versus, you can't go into this room? So my tone, my pitch, I speak with conviction. So what do you sound like when you deliver your information? What words do you use? That's the thing. What do they hear? What do they hear when they hear you? Like, I know a lot of people who can't watch themselves on camera, can't hear themselves like, oh my God, is that what I sound like? Then fix it. How would you start to fix it then? Look, you want to strengthen your voice. You don't want to be like, okay, you can't go into this room. You can't go into this room. It's like, you can't go into this room. You also have to believe in what you're saying and why you're saying. So when I did my previous job, like, I was protecting the president of the United States. I had the backing of the U.S. Secret Service. And look, having that gives you confidence gives you confidence. But I also went through training academies and I had people get in my face. I had to deal with things. But the more adversity you deal with, the, the more resilient you become. When you don't deal with adversity, when you avoid conflict, you don't know what to do when real conflict shows up. Repetition, repetition. And creating habits that are healthy so that when things happen, you default to those habits.
and you pull up that version of you. So I have that version of me that's the stand your ground version. It's like, oh, no, no, no. But I'm also tactical about it. So if somebody can come at me or do something or betray me, I'm not going to come at them with the most obvious of ways. I'm also not going to do anything that brings me lower. You know, and it gets really hard, man, because that Greek part of me and that coins part of me wants to come out. But I, will, I won't call that person names. I really, really will control. But I'm like, I'll fix you in some other way. Mm. But the right way, the best way, the strategic way, not to hurt you, but to kind of get you out of their way. And you know what's interesting, too? There's two main reasons, or well, there's two types of personas to be careful of. People who are extremely self-righteous and people who use justification. And so let me start with justification. When I did interviews, polygraphs, I would interview people who did really horrible things. And can I tell you, they would almost always justify it. We, I, we would have the saying, any person can do anything at any given moment in time, given the opportunity. Because you can justify it to yourself. Well, I, did, I punched him or I hit him with a bat because he shoved me. That's justification. Or I'm going to go after him and his money, you know, or after his family because he did this to me or she did that to me. And justification is very dangerous because you can, you use that to justify you doing something bad or somebody else will use that to justify harming you. At the end of the day, what you're doing is horrible. Just be aware of that. You're just justifying it to yourself. Even when I interview people who committed crimes of passion or just crime in general, well, I did this to her because she did that, because she led me on, because she teased me, whatever, whatever the case may be, or because she you know, betrayed me in this way. And so people hit back. So you ever have that time where you're like, I can't believe this person did this to me. It's like, yes, you can. You know why? Because in their mind, they justified what they're doing to you. That's why sometimes we have these moments like, what are they thinking? They're thinking, I'm justified. The other persona to watch for is self-righteousness. That is huge. So that's the, I am holier than thou. I know better. I'm, I'm above you. Or when you have people, you ever, you know, you ever have anybody be like, you know what, I'm really going to pray for you because you need it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Anybody says that to you? It's like, first of all, it's the most condescending thing you can say to someone because it's insinuating I'm closer to God or Allah or whoever you believe to than you are. So I'm going to talk to him for you. No, don't worry about it. I'll go talk to him or her myself. And with self-righteousness, it's like you believe you're so right. And that's rigidity. That when you think, no, 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 I'm so right. Let me tell you how right I am. Red flags. And look at how people treat other people. Because if they gossip about other people, they treat other people the, poor, the, the wrong way. I promise you, they're doing the same thing to you or will do the same thing to you. You have to look at people holistically, who they are with everybody. Because that's going to come back to you. That's so amazing. I love those breakdowns. So if you've noticed these characteristics in people, is that when you're like, okay, this is someone that is probably going to cross a boundary, disrespect me, so I'm going to distance myself you from You feel them. dirty, <laughs> right? Don't you feel that when you deal with certain people and they haven't betrayed you yet, but there's these little lies or little betrayals and you feel like you feel dirty. I wouldn't have said dirty, but I totally get what you mean. But I, I have, that's one of my triggers is being spoken down to. So I definitely understand what you're what saying. What do you do? I'm, like, All right, I'm flipping the interview around I know. <laughs> I'm like curious because. What would I do? Okay, so if it was in business, I wouldn't bring it up. Because I wouldn't want to show that I'm weak. Because it is a weakness. I absolutely see it because it's a trigger. And I think any triggers can be a weakness. So for me, I would, it's my trigger and I've identified it as a trigger. 
I know that it means that that's a weakness. I wouldn't want to show it's a weakness. And to be honest, I think part of me is like, it's a weakness and I just need to get stronger. And I'm still, I tell myself I'm still in training. You're not there yet, Lisa. Like I don't beat myself up over it, but I do acknowledge it. I acknowledge what has happened. I acknowledge it's a trigger. I acknowledge it comes from my childhood. And I take deep breaths and I may either um, go quiet actually, or I step back and will try and get out of that conversation immediately because I do not want them to see it. But I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I do the opposite with my family. If it's my family in the moment, I'm like, maybe you didn't realize, but you actually just disrespected me there. So I always then follow up with, hey, I know you don't mean to, I know your intention, I know you love me, but I feel like you actually just disrespected me here. And then we'll just have that back and forth. And it's like, oh my God, no, I didn't mean to. This is why I did it. I was like, oh, cool. Thank you for explaining. And if it's me, I'll, I'll even say, actually, yeah, you're right. Thank you for explaining. I realize this is my insecurity. I have to go and work on it. But if I still disagree and I think that they actually did disrespect, I will keep going and I'll start to break down what language, what word they used um, because I really want to bond with them. And I think that when it's a stranger... If you put guard up, it's not a big deal. But when you want to get close to somebody, I'm always going to reveal the true, you know, the, the real me. Okay. So I feel like with family, I let a lot go with family. Interesting. Because like, it's just who they are. I guess like I've come to a place in age where I'm like, I know who I am. I'm grounded as a person. And I, I don't feel like I have to argue every point. Like sometimes like I'll have to check somebody here and there. I'll be like, hey, let's relax. <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll do that. And, but even with my husband, I'd be like, hey, I'd appreciate you saying that. But I, I let a lot go because I found like it doesn't matter. Like my, I don't get as affected by it. Because, because you said something, you're like, most of the time they don't come from a place of a bad place. Mm. So if I know they don't come from a bad place, why do I have to correct it? Like, th- that's me. I'm just like, okay, that's mom. That's my brother. That's my husband. That's but like if I'm betrayed in some way, like I will, I will have it out. But usually for me, betrayal, like we're talking true, like you like stab me in the back, wherever you want to, I'm done with you. Because at that point, like you've done so much damage and I'm very mindful. Like I don't, I'm very mindful of my behavior because sometimes we can betray someone and justify why we're doing it. But I have to do this because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do by you and your little head, mm-hmm. but maybe not by everybody else or maybe not by me. And so... If, if someone crosses that line, for me, it's, it's done. If somebody has it in them to harm you in such a significant way, why on earth would I ever want to repair that? I also can't bring you back in. It's just like, look, it's done. Just go. And then I think that's more powerful. And you don't even have to tell people. I've cut people out of my life silently. Why do I have to tell you? I just pull back, pull back, pull back. And then one day it's like, She's not around anymore. Yeah. How do you not let that feeling fester or build up then? Oh, sure. I let it fester and build up, but I do it in the privacy of my own home. And then you just let it go? Yeah. I'll go work out. I'll go run. I'll complain to my husband or bitch to my brother. Like I'll do that. I let it, I let it come out of me. Mm. Like you can't, this is the thing. You have to experience things. We don't want to suppress stuff because you suppress it. It's going to manifest itself in other ways. So you are allowed to do whatever it is you need to do to move through it. So I do that. Like I have moments where I'm like heated and angry. I'm not like kumbaya all the time. Like, you know, no, like I'll go through it. I may spend a week in rage, 
But then I know, like, don't have too much contact with people, like, if it's that deep of a thing. But I've, I've developed over time, again, resiliency and habit. It's just habit, repetition. You bounce back. You bounce back. You also, like, and I say this in the book, don't be surprised. Everybody at the end of the day is looking out for their self-interests. They really are. Not because they're bad people, they just are. And if somehow you get in the way of that, you might get either pushed to the side or bulldozed completely. And so you have to understand that. So when you see from that perspective, you, you, it gives it a little bit of logic. I mean, you understand the pain of it, but you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be like, I can't believe it. It's like, I get it. You can say that to a point, but then you know what? Let's move on because then you get into that victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's a really dangerous place to live. I know a lot of people who live there or I've experienced a lot of people who live there. I've kind of like tippy-toed into that place myself like in, when I was much younger. And I'm like, I'm not living in this space. I'm not going to be a victim. You know, I, I don't like that word. And so I just, for me, again, for me, the language I use in my mind is so powerful. Like I'm really thoughtful like I, of what I consume, what language I use to define myself. That was so freaking amazing. As you know, I could talk to you forever. Um, guys, guys, go check out Becoming Bulletproof. It's freaking awesome. Everything she just spoke about, she goes deep, deep, deep into. Where can people find you online, girl? Evie Pomperis, common spelling, common Greek spelling, <laughs> E-V-Y-P-O-U-M-P-O-U-R-E-S. There it is on Instagram, all over the place. And get her book on Amazon. Is that right? Amazon. Anywhere books are sold. All right, guys. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. <laughs>